That's what we need to hear. Before Mr. Zinker comes along, let's bow our heads together in prayer and ask God to speak to each one of us tonight. Father in heaven, we are grateful that we have this opportunity to open thy word once again. We are grateful that in our hands we hold thy written word. We thank thee, Lord, that it is still legal where we live to own thy word, to read and preach thy word. And so we ask that tonight, when thy word is opened and preached, that it might also be received, that the word might fall on good soil, we might not just hear the word, but receive it, and it would indeed bear fruit. We pray that perhaps even this night and this week would be the very beginning of some very special movement from above. So be with thy servant tonight. Use him for thy glory and for our good. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Hello, it's good to be with you here at the Winter Retreat, and I'm thankful to have this opportunity to speak about a really a very important theme that has been chosen for the winter retreat this year, and that is the phrase, stayed upon Jehovah. I'd invite you to take your Bible and turn to the Old Testament book of Isaiah, and we'll look together at chapter 26, just a few verses here, as we think about this very important theme, especially during this very interesting time when there is a pandemic, there's a lot of political turmoil, there are a lot of uh, anxious worries and fears that are going throughout the land. And so what a appropriate theme, I believe, we have for this year's winter retreat, Stayed Upon Jehovah. Let's read Isaiah chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. We'll read to the end of verse 4. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Well, we'll stop our reading there just for the sake of time today. And I'd like you to notice, especially our text, verse 3. I would encourage you, if you haven't yet memorized this verse, to commit this verse of Scripture to memory. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The actual line from a hymn, stayed upon Jehovah, is something that Francis Ridley Havergal, there near Worcester in a little village called Budley, uh, where her father and uh, family members lived, she was unable to attend church on one of the services. And because of her illness, she had to stay at home. And while she was there, uh, she looked out the window, and there, the house she was at, viewed the the uh, Severn River. And as she looked at the Severn River and saw it flowing by and saw the, the sun glinting off of it, uh, she began to think of the words and she wrote, Like a river glorious is God's perfect peace. And what a beautiful hymn that is. And if you don't know that hymn, I hope you'll get to know it. But in that hymn, she gives 
a line that really is the theme of our winter retreat. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as He promised perfect peace and rest. And the line from that hymn came directly from our verse, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. And what a hymn, what a verse, because it points us to a great God who is able to keep us in the most difficult times, to give us perfect peace in the midst of turmoil and anxiety all around us in this world. And so let's look at this text and find great help and great encouragement from it as we see God at work in the midst of troubling times. And certainly we live in troubling times. You don't have to watch much of the news or listen to much or see many newspaper headlines to know that these are very, very challenging days. In our lifetimes, perhaps in our parents' lifetimes, uh, they have not nor have we seen all of the changes that have taken place just over the last year or less. The world is a different place now. Uh, the countries we live in treat things so very differently now. It's a very interesting situation. And how are people dealing with this? Let's look at the verse as we see, first of all, the promise. Would you look at the first line of Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3? Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Now let's stop just for a moment and think, how is that possible? How is it possible that God can keep anyone in these days in perfect peace? Think about the need for peace. We live in a time when anxiety and depression and fear and worry and despair and even suicide are so very prevalent. Why are people in despair? Why is there so much anxiety in the society we live in? There's great fear, not knowing what will happen next. People have lost their jobs. Many more have lost their health. People are grieving over the loss of loved ones as they've passed away, perhaps by themselves entirely. Others have not been able to get the medical care that they hope to because of the coronavirus and because of a lot of political issues that are happening around the world. There's turmoil, monetary things are upset, all the things that seemed at one time stable now seem anything but stable. So how is it possible that in these times God can give those who know Him perfect peace? I would say you that it is a great need today. Could I ask you this? Think about for a moment the difference a person could make in this world filled with anxiety and fear if that person had peace. What a difference, what an obvious difference would be seen in the life of someone who has peace. And God is able to make that true in your life. Think about this, the possibility of peace. You, you may say, well, we're in, in these difficult days. Surely it, everybody has fear and anxiety and we're all worried half to death and we're all just not knowing what's going to happen next. And How can we have peace? Take your Bible, please, if you would. Hold your place here in Isaiah chapter 26, but turn to Mark chapter 4 and we find here a very good example of someone who had perfect peace in the midst of of a storm. Mark chapter 4, and the Bible tells us uh, about a storm. 
that the disciples were going through. The Lord Jesus Christ was in the ship with them. Verse 37 of Mark chapter 4, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he, speaking of Christ, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Isn't that an interesting thought? They were toiling and rowing for their lives. They were bailing out the boat. They were afraid it was going to sink and they would be going to the bottom. And there was one on the boat who was sleeping, who was at perfect peace and rest. And who was it? It was the one in the boat whose mind was trusting in the Lord God Jehovah, Jesus Christ, who knew that he was perfectly fulfilling the will of his Father, wasn't filled with anxiety, wasn't filled with fear or with dread, because even in a literal storm, the Lord Jesus Christ, as our great example, had perfect peace, and he was sleeping, wasn't he? He had perfect rest. Now, this is possible not just for the Lord Jesus Christ, but because of the Lord Jesus Christ, He makes that possible in your life and in mine. What a wonderful blessing that is to know that we are not victims of the society around us or the bad news in this morning's headlines. We can have perfect peace and rest. Why? Because we are in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is in us. Let's think just for a moment about the reality of peace. While we're here in the New Testament, would you turn to Romans chapter 5, please? And every person who has come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior could say that this is true about themselves. If you've truly been converted, Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 helps us understand a wonderful truth. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like you to notice the word in verse 1, with. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been reconciled to disparate parties. A holy, perfect God and a sinful, wicked man have been brought together and reconciled by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, by His shed blood, His death on the cross, on the sinner's behalf has brought sinful men and holy God together in the Lord Jesus Christ and His work. And certainly all those who know the Lord Jesus as their Savior have peace with God. Positionally, we have been justified. We have been made right with God because of Christ's work. But I don't want you to turn over to the book of Philippians for a moment. Philippians chapter 4. And I want you to notice that there is more to the Christian life than simply having peace with God. Philippians chapter 4 tells us, if you'll notice in verse 7, that there's something else in the Christian life that is needed. If, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Did you listen carefully? May I just read for a moment uh, the text that we have in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, and then I'm going to read uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And I want you to listen for the 
familiar themes there. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon thee, because he trusteth in thee. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that an interesting thing? Both the Old Testament and the New Testament tell us the same truth, that our minds are to be rested and are to be stayed upon God, and as they are, our hearts, our minds can have the peace of God. We not only need peace with God in justification, but we need the peace of God ruling and reigning in our hearts. So I'd like to ask you, do you know Christ is your Savior today? Then you have peace with God. But in a practical, day-by-day way, do you have the peace of God ruling, reigning in your heart? I want you to know it's possible. God has made it so that we can experience that. The Lord Jesus Christ has made it a possibility for us to have that reality within ourselves. And yet there are so many Christians who are so offendable. Maybe you know some drama queen Christians or drama king Christians. They're always upset. They're so offendable. They almost look for things to get their feelings hurt about. And I want you to know that is not the way that God designed the Christian life to be lived. God designed the Christian life to be lived even though there seems to be a hurricane all around me, uh, winds whipping up everything that's not attached and floods attacking the things that are, I can be in the very eye of the storm in the center of the hurricane and be at peace because my mind is stayed upon Jehovah. Secondly, I'd like you to notice the condition that is given. The first thing we saw is the promise Back in our text, Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. What a promise. But that promise is conditional. And the condition we find here in the second phrase of the verse, Whose mind is stayed on thee. That's the condition. God has promised to keep us in perfect peace. However, the condition is that our mind is stayed upon God himself. Now, think just for a moment about what we're told here. The mind, our mind is stayed upon thee. The Hebrew word for mind is an interesting word. It means literally this, the place where things are formed. Now, when we think of a mind, we're perhaps thinking of a conscious understanding of reality. But in the Hebrew, the language in which the book of Isaiah was written the mind is referring the place in which things are formed. You and I have a mind, an imagination, and that imagination forms thoughts, forms understanding, forms opinions of people. And here's what the Bible tells us. The condition for you and I having the perfect peace that God has to offer, that He promises us, is that our mind, that place where things are formed, is stayed upon Jehovah. Now think about this just for a moment. Have you ever had a thought that someone is just out to get you? Maybe you've not heard from a friend for a a few weeks, and in your mind, 
you're beginning to think, uh, perhaps they're against me. Maybe they're coming up with some strategy against me. Maybe they have something uh, that, that they've been offended about with me. And your mind begins to track back and begin to imagine things. And then you meet them or you speak to them. And you came to find out they don't have anything against you. They weren't intentionally avoiding you. They weren't coming up with some plot to ruin your life. They just were so busy, they'd forgotten to call or forgotten to see you or forgotten to text. And suddenly, there's great relief in your mind and you think, well, that was silly. Why did I think of those things? Because our natural mind is a suspicious thing. Our sin nature is always going about to work in our minds to draw us away from things that are right and lovely and pure and holy and bring us to a place of suspicion and of anger and of anxiety. That's our old sin nature at work in our heart. So the Lord gives us this admonition, this condition for our hearts to be at perfect peace and rest. Our minds are to be stayed on Jehovah. So our mind, the place where things are formed, Notice this condition, stayed. Again, the verse, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. The word stayed in this Hebrew language means this, to rest upon, to fix, to lay entirely upon. I want you to imagine just for a moment that you are given the task to carry a very, very heavy piece of luggage. It doesn't have any wheels on it. It's the old-fashioned kind that you just have to carry. And you're invited uh, to a place that has uh, a room where you're to take that piece of luggage, and it's on the 24th floor. You walk into the lobby of the hotel, you get in the elevator, and you have that heavy piece of luggage, and you're taking the elevator all the way up from the ground the lobby to the 24th floor, and you have that very heavy piece of luggage, what would you do with that piece of luggage once you got on the elevator, on the lift? I'm sorry, I need to speak English. Once you get on the lift, you would, if you were someone like me, you would think, I'm on the lift. The lift is taking me up. It's taking my piece of luggage up. It's taking up whoever else is on the lift. So I'm going to put this very heavy piece of luggage down on the floor of the lift and when the lift is finished and I get to the 24th floor, I'll just reach down, I'll pick it up, and I'll be a lot less tired. My arm will be a lot less fatigued. It's common sense, isn't it? That's really what we're thinking about when we use the word stayed. Place the entire weight upon. Now what would you say to someone who got on the lift with a very heavy piece of luggage and they had to hold it in their hands and they just kept it? And they were beginning to show signs of fatigue. They began to sweat. You could see they were switching it from hand to hand because it was getting so heavy. And after all the time going up slowly, those 24 floors, you would look at them and think, why don't you set that on the floor of the lift? It's, it's taking us up anyway. And yet how silly are we when we take up our worries, anxieties, fears, apprehensions, suspicions, and we carry them around as a burden on our back day by day, moment by moment. No peace, no rest, but all of these anxieties weighing us down, burdening us, 
What a poor testimony we become. What people with short tempers and such short fuses and such complaints because we have not rested our entire weight in our mind upon Jehovah. We have not laid all of our burdens on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have not given Him and fixed upon Him what we need to, and so we're carrying around burdens that He is more than capable of bearing. So the condition is that we rest, we stay upon, we lay entirely upon the Lord all of our cares, all of our concerns, all of our anxieties, our worries, our fears are laid on who? The object. Notice the object. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on himself. Is that what your text says? May I say this? If your mind is stayed on yourself, you'll become a very discouraged person. I know a lot of discouraged people. And something interesting that they share in common is this. They are the center of their own universe. They're very self-centered. And because of that, one of the symptoms of self-centeredness is often discouragement. Now, that's not to say that everyone who's discouraged is self-centered, but many times those who are self-centered are very, as a symptom, discouraged because they look to themselves. They're looking at how good they are compared to others or often how bad they are compared to others and they can never be satisfied. They can never have peace or rest because they're comparing constantly everything about their lives to what others have or what they don't have or how other people have advanced and how they don't seem to be quite as far. They haven't gotten the recognition they so rightly deserve when others who have done less have been recognized and their life is filled with turmoil and storms, and emotional anxiety. <coughs> Excuse me. Why? Because their mind is stayed on themselves. See if the text tells us this. Whose mind is stayed on others. I just mentioned comparing yourself to everyone else, but we can also do something else. We can look to others for our strength. We can look to others for our identity for our stability. I have a best friend, and my best friend and I are so close, and we're always going to be best friends forever. Uh, we used to have, growing up, uh, high school annuals or yearbooks, and every once in a while someone would write in it, BFF, best friends forever. Uh, uniquely, probably those people hardly ever talk anymore, but that was an interesting secondary school saying, best friends forever, BFF. But the idea is this, sometimes your best friend may get married and move away. Sometimes your best friend, who may be your sister or your brother, may get a job and move far away, and now the person you find your identity in, it may be a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a fiancé, a, a marriage partner, but our identity is not found in others. It shouldn't be. Our identity should be found in looking to Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Isn't really that the definition of faith after all? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So the object of what we stay our mind upon is ultimately important. It cannot be ourselves. It cannot be others. It must be God. 
And as we stay our minds on Him, we can say like Pilate said of Christ, I find no fault in Him. All of your friends eventually are going to disappoint you. But Jesus Christ will never disappoint you. He is always there. And He has promised us that if we will rest our mind on Him, stay our mind on Him, that He will give us peace. He will give us rest. And we can rest in Him. Lastly, notice with me the reason why we can have this peace and rest. Again, our text, Isaiah 26 and verse 3, that will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, notice this, because he trusteth in thee. This is the reason why those who have peace have it, because they trust in God. Now, we're given here a choice. Because he trusteth in thee. The man who has peace and the man who is filled with anxiety and fear both face the same culture the same society, both face the same pandemic, but one has peace and one doesn't. What's the difference? One made a choice, the other did not. One made a choice to trust in God. And may I say to you, all of us every day are given choices. They may not seem like life-altering choices. Someone may not walk up to you and say, I would like to offer you one billion pounds. You say, well, that's a choice. That's a pretty tough choice. Would I say yes or no? Uh, Probably that's not going to happen to you. Some total random stranger on the street probably is not going to walk up to you and say, would you please marry me? Probably, maybe it will happen, but probably not going to happen. All of the big life choices that we make are not random, grand events that just happen to pop up in front of us. Where we come to in our lives is really a compilation, a result of many, many, many small daily choices. And today, you will be faced with what seem to be insignificant choices, small Petty almost. Where will you go? What will you do? What will you say? How will you respond? How will you behave? But those little choices adding together make up day after day our lives. And so here's something especially important to remember. The choice we have is that not just day by day, but really moment by moment, decision by decision, We are trusting God. God should have the vote over every decision in my life. The Holy Spirit should be guiding me. The Lord Jesus Christ should be preeminent in my life. I should give to Him the final say-so about the small and the medium and the large decisions of my life. What will I do? What will I watch? What will I listen to? Who will I be friends with? Who will I allow to influence me? What will I do with my social media today? These all seem perhaps like little decisions, but they add up to be a life. Are the decisions you're making in your daily life things that are pleasing to God? Because as we trust in Him, as we believe Him, as we allow Him to make the decision, 
in our lives, at that point, we are making the choice to trust Him. And notice what we are told in verse 4. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. May I say perhaps something shocking to you. You will not always be able to trust your family. Now you may say, I have a wonderful family. Well, I hope you can always trust them. But I want you to know this. All of us are mortals. My father passed away when I was 19 years old, and he is no longer there for me to put my trust in. There will sadly come a day when the person closest to you or the person that this moment you rely the most on maybe won't be there. Maybe they're distant. Maybe they have gone on into eternity. But the fact is this. There is one who is everlasting. Verse 4 of Isaiah 26 Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. There is only one in this entire universe that has never changed, and that is Jehovah God. The planets can change, people change, the climate, we're told, changes, economies change, world leaders change. You and I change, but God, Jehovah, never changes. So, wouldn't it follow that if our minds are rested upon Him, laid entirely upon Him, the one who never changes, we can have stability and peace and rest in a storm-filled world. The Lord Jesus Christ is the eye of the storm, and when we are in Him, just as He was asleep on that pillow, we can have rest in the midst of a storm because He is the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty. And just as Francis Ridley Havigal wrote that day in Budley, stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding as He promised perfect peace and rest. May I challenge you today to have peace in your heart? One of the greatest and most powerful gospel witnesses today in a time of anxiety is a time to have peace in your heart and be a bright shining light for the gospel. While other people are saying it can't be done and let's just give up and let's throw in the towel and let's, why bother trying? This is the time for you to become engaged and involved and outspoken. Stand up. Speak up. Be a person who stands up for the Lord Jesus Christ and helps other people understand this is the day when He is able to give you perfect peace because He is the great God that never changes. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we ask for Thy help and strength. Without Thee, we can do nothing at all. But we're thankful that perfect peace is given to us as our minds are stayed on Thee. Help us look to Thee in all things and help us be more than victors because of Him who has enabled us and empowered us to live this Christian life. We thank Thee for the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.